Hello and good day from Oz. Wordsmiths, people who craft words. Here in Australia, we have many talented writers who craft their work into books, stage scripts and film. Yet we rarely think how words are used. I have two guests who use words in different ways. First, meet Jill Korn, a script writer who is carving a name for herself in historical fan fiction. We hear about Jill's first major work, collaboration. My name is Jill Korn and I'm thrilled to be asked to contribute to your show. I'm based in the west of Scotland and although I'm from England originally, I've been here more than half my life. For years I wrote professionally for work, training booklets, the usual report, boring stuff. And in my spare time I scribbled away at short stories without having any real direction. I'd always loved acting though, and in 2005 I took acting classes at Strathclyde University. From there, a small group of us went on to found a pop-up theatre group, Stark Theatre, which operated for nine years. We had no props, no premises and no money, but we managed to convince our audiences in cafes and basements that we were a professional acting company. Then as my friends started to retire from their day jobs, I had to think about what I would do as a retired person. It seemed the right time. I went back to university in Glasgow and worked for two years on a master's degree in creative writing. Because I love radio and have listened to hundreds of hours of plays and stories on the BBC, I decided to focus on audio drama or radio drama. When my first script, Collaboration, was rejected by a BBC producer, my kids sent me a bouquet with a card that read, Congratulations on your first rejection. Here's to your success in the future. At the same time, my son suggested that I produce my own version of collaboration and put it out as a podcast. I have loved the music of Edith Piaf since before I could even understand the words to her songs. I learnt French later. One of the aspects that fascinated me in reading the biographies and autobiographies was that the woman who claimed to be her half-sister, Simone Berthaud, is mostly ignored. Simone wrote her own autobiography and typically profited by it, but she gives us some fascinating insights into the life of this tiny, talented woman. So I did a lot more research and came up with a play based on one particular incident, that of the investigation into whether or not Piaf collaborated with the Nazis during the occupation of France. Although I wasn't planning it, Simone became the main character in my play, counterbalanced with the character André Bigard, who acted as Edith's secretary while working secretly for the French Resistance. There are three very strong female voices in this play, and these talented actors make their presence felt in a way I could only have dreamt of. My next guest is a wordsmith of a different type entirely, a linguist. What is a linguist? Well, here's Diana Guleman to tell us.
Hello, my name is Diana Gilman and I am a linguist. When I tell people that I am a linguist, the first question they ask is, how many languages do you speak? But linguistics is not about learning languages. It is learning about language. Linguistics is concerned with the scientific study of the very complex phenomenon of human language. What is language? What is it that we know when we know a language? What makes it possible for children to acquire their mother tongue before the age of five by just hearing people speak and without any instructions from grammar books? On the other hand, why is it so difficult for adults to learn a new language despite being able to study from grammar books? Why are languages so different from one another? And very importantly, what do they have in common, if anything? These are some of the questions that linguists seek to answer. Fields of study within linguistics include, amongst others, morphology, which is concerned with the internal structure of words, syntax, which is about the structure of sentences, semantics and pragmatics, both of which are concerned with meaning, phonetics and phonology, which are the study of sound and sound patterns, respectively. There's psycholinguistics, which includes language acquisition and language processing. Sociolinguistics, which is about the role and use of language in various social contexts. There's also forensic linguistics and many more. And there's a field of study concerned with brain and language, because linguists believe that we can learn about the brain through language and about the nature of humans through their use of language. Does that take you back to school and English classes? But wouldn't it have been so much more interesting if we had realised back then the power of using words the right way? Diane now tells us what prompted her to take her interest into further study. My personal passion for linguistics derives from two sources. The first is the inspirational teacher who taught semantics at the University of Melbourne, where I completed a Bachelor of Arts all those years ago. The other reason for wanting to study linguistics derives from my determination to establish if one of my mother tongues, Mauritian Creole, is a real language with a proper grammar. Despite this language being the lingua franca of Mauritius, there is a lot of prejudice towards it. It is regarded by many, especially the francophones, as a bastardised form of French and lacking a proper grammar, whatever they take this to mean. I am trilingual, speaking three languages with equal fluency, namely Mauritian Creole, French, my father's language, and English, my mother's language. These languages are just three of the 14 or so first languages spoken in Mauritius which is one of the most multicultural countries in the world. The island, which had no indigenous population, was colonised in the early 18th century by the French, who brought with them slaves to work on sugar plantations. These slaves came from various parts of Africa and Madagascar and spoke a multitude of unintelligible languages. The need for a system of communication between the slaves and their French masters resulted in the creation of a totally new language, namely Mauritian Creole. It is said to comprise a French lexicon and African grammar, but it is, of course, much more complex than that. 
1810, while the new vernacular was still being created, Mauritius fell into the hands of the British. They proclaimed English as the official language of the island, though no one spoke this language except for the British officials. The French continued to speak French, while the slaves strived to create a new language to communicate amongst themselves and also with their masters. Following the abolition of slavery in 1835, indentured laborers were brought in from India and thousands of Indians arrived speaking various languages of the subcontinent, the main ones being Hindi and Bhojpuri. Muslim traders also came, speaking Gujarati and Urdu, and the Chinese seeking new fortunes brought Mandarin and Hakka. All these languages are still spoken in Mauritius, and the common denominator, Mauritian Creole, has now become the lingua franca of the island. English remains the official language. I grew up in this Tower of Babel, where a multitude of tongues resonated in every corner of the island. When I migrated to Australia in 1966, my friends back home asked me what impressed me most about my new country and I could not help but express how baffled I was by the fact that most people only spoke one language. Australia was not yet the multicultural country that it claims to be nowadays. The seed planted by my inspirational semantics teacher lay dormant for many years. 30 to be precise. It was only in my 50s after my children had grown up that I found time enough to enroll in a PhD in linguistics at the University of Queensland. I specialised in syntax and semantics and used Mauritian Creole data for my theoretical analysis. It has been an extraordinary journey where I could establish that Mauritian Creole is a real language with a grammar quite different from that in Fre of French but just as complex as that of any other natural language. My studies have given me in an insight into the wondrous phenomenon of the creation of a new grammar from the contact of a multitude of very different languages. What a fascinating place and childhood it must have been in Mauritius. We hope to meet up with Diane again soon to hear more. And that's all for now. Please go to our website, Good Day From Oz Down Under, for links to Jill's play, collaboration, and Diane's blog, inbetweenseeds.com. Until next time, thank you.